book fifteen of pierre or the ambiguities by herman melville this librivox recording is in the public domain the cousins chapter one though resolved to face all out to the last at whatever desperate hazard pierre had not started for the city without some reasonable plans both with reference to his more immediate circumstances and his ulterior condition there resided in the city a cousin of his glendinning stanley better known in the general family as glen stanley and by pierre as cousin glen like pierre he was an only son his parents had died in his early childhood and within the present year he had returned from a protracted sojourn in europe to enter at the age of twenty-one into the untrammelled possession of a noble property which in the hands of faithful guardians had largely accumulated in their boyhood and earlier adolescence pierre and glenn had cherished a much more than cousinly attachment at the age of ten they had furnished an example of the truth that the friendship of fine-hearted generous boys nurtured amid the romance engendering comforts and elegancies of life sometimes transcends the bounds of mere boyishness and revels for a while in the empyrean of a love which only comes short by one degree of the sweetest sentiment entertained between the sexes nor is this boy love without the occasional phillips and spicinesses which at times by an apparent abatement enhance the permanent delights of those more advanced lovers who love beneath the cestus of venus jealousies are felt the sight of another lad too much consorting with the boy's beloved object shall fill him with emotions akin to those of othello's a fancied slight or lessening of the everyday indications of warm feelings shall prompt him to bitter upbraidings and reproaches or shall plunge him into evil moods for which grim solitude only is congenial nor are the letters of aphroditean devotees more charged with headlong vows and protestations more cross-written and crammed with discursive sentimentalities more undeviating in their semi-weakliness or dailiness as the case may be than are the love-friendship missive of boys among those bundles of papers which pierre in an ill hour so frantically destroyed in the chamber of the inn were two large packages of letters densely written and in many cases inscribed crosswise throughout with red ink upon black so that the love in those letters was two layers deep and one pen and one pigment were insufficient to paint it the first package contained the letters of glenn to pierre the other those of pierre to glenn which just prior to glenn's departure for europe pierre had obtained from him in order to reread them in his absence and so fortify himself the more in his affection by reviving reference to the young ardent hours of its earliest manifestations but as the advancing fruit itself extrudes the beautiful blossom so in many cases does the eventual love for the other sex forever dismiss the preliminary love friendship of boys the mere outer friendship may in some degree greater or less survive but the singular love in it has perishingly dropped away if in the eye of unyielding reality and truth the earthly heart of man do indeed ever fix upon some one woman to whom alone 
thenceforth eternally to be a devotee without a single shadow of the misgiving of its faith and who to him does perfectly embody his finest loftiest dream of feminine loveliness if this indeed be so and may heaven grant that it be nevertheless in metropolitan cases the love of the most single-eyed lover almost invariably is nothing more than the ultimate settling of innumerable wandering glances upon some one specific object as admonished that the wonderful scope and variety of female loveliness if too long suffered to sway us without decision shall finally confound all power of selection the confirmed bachelor is in america at least quite as often the victim of a too profound appreciation of the infinite charmingness of woman as made solitary for life by the legitimate empire of a cold and tasteless temperament though the peculiar heart longings pertaining to his age had at last found their glowing response in the bosom of lucy yet for some period prior to that pierre had not been insensible to the miscellaneous promptings of the passion so that even before he became a declarative lover love had yet made him her general votary and so already there had gradually come a cooling over that ardent sentiment which in earlier years he had cherished for glenn all round and round does the world lie as in a sharp shooter's ambush to pick off the beautiful illusions of youth by the pitiless cracking rifles of the realities of the age if the general love for women had in pierre sensibly modified his particular sentiment toward glen neither had the thousand nameless fascinations of the then brilliant paradises of france and italy failed to exert their seductive influence on many of the previous feelings of glen for as the very best advantages of life are not without some envious drawback so it is among the evils of enlarged foreign travel that in young and unsolid minds it dislodges some of the finest feelings of the home-born nature replacing them with a fastidious superciliousness which like the alleged bigoted federalism of old times would not according to a political legend grind its daily coffee in any mill save of european manufacture and was satirically said to have thought of importing european air for domestic consumption the mutually curtailed lessening long postponed and at last altogether ceasing letters of pierre and glen were the melancholy attestations of a fact which perhaps neither of them took very severely to heart as certainly concerning it neither took the other to task in the earlier periods of that strange transition from the generous impulsiveness of youth to the provident circumspectness of age there generally intervenes a brief pause of unpleasant reconsidering when finding itself all wide of its former spontaneous self the soul hesitates to commit itself wholly to selfishness more than repents its wanderings yet all this is but transient and again hurried on by the swift current of life the prompt-hearted boy scarce longer is to be recognized in matured man very slow to feel deliberate even in love and statistical even in piety during the sway of this peculiar period the boy shall still make some strenuous efforts to retrieve his departing spontaneities but so alloyed are all such endeavours with the incipiencies of selfishness that they were best not made at all since too often they seem but empty and self-deceptive sallies or still worse the merest hypocritical assumptions upon the return of glen from abroad the commonest courtesy not to say the blood relation between them prompted pierre to welcome him home with a letter which though not overlong and little enthusiastic 
still breathed a spirit of cousinly consideration and kindness pervadingly touched by the then naturally frank and all-attractive spirit of pierre to this the less earnest and now europeanized glen had replied in a letter all sudden suavity and in a strain of artistic artlessness mourned the apparent decline of their friendship yet fondly trusted that now notwithstanding their long separation it would revive with added sincerity yet upon accidentally fixing his glance upon the opening salutation of this delicate missive pierre thought he perceived certain not wholly disguisable chirographic tokens that the my very dear pierre with which the letter seemed to have been begun had originally been written dear pierre but that when all was concluded and glenn's signature put to it then the ardent words my very had been prefixed to the reconsidered dear pierre a casual supposition which possibly however unfounded materially retarded any answering warmth in pierre lest his generous flame should only embrace a flaunted feather nor was this idea altogether unreinforced when on the reception of a second and now half business letter of which mixed sort nearly all the subsequent ones were from glen he found that the my very dear pierre had already retreated into my dear pierre and on a third occasion into dear pierre and on a fourth had made a forced and very spirited advance march up to my dearest pierre all of which fluctuations augured ill for the determinateness of that love which however immensely devoted to one cause could yet hoist and sail under the flags of all nations nor could he but now applaud a still subsequent letter from glen which abruptly and almost with apparent indecorousness under the circumstances commenced the strain of friendship without any overture of salutation whatever as if at last owing to its infinite delicateness entirely hopeless of precisely defining the nature of their mystical love glen chose rather to leave that precise definition to the sympathetical heart and imagination of pierre while he himself would go on to celebrate the general relation by many a sugared sentence of miscellaneous devotion it was a little curious and rather sardonically diverting to compare these masterly yet not wholly successful and indeterminate tactics of the accomplished glen with the unfaltering stream of beloved pierres which not only flowed along the top margin of all his earlier letters but here and there from their subterranean channel flashed out in bright intervals through all the succeeding lines nor had the chance recollection of these things at all restrained the reckless hand of pierre when he threw the whole package of letters both new and old into that most honest and summary of all elements which is neither a respecter of persons nor a finical critic of what manner of writing it burns but like ultimate truth itself of which it is the eloquent symbol consumes all and only consumes when the betrothment of pierre to lucy had become an acknowledged thing the courtly glen besides the customary felicitations upon that event had not omitted so fit an opportunity to retender to his cousin all his previous jars of honey and treacle accompanied by additional boxes of candied citron and plums pierre thanked him kindly but in certain little roguish ambiguities begged leave on the ground of cloying to return him enclosed by far the greater portion of his present whose non-substantialness was allegorically typified in the containing letter itself prepaid with only the usual postage true love as every one knows will still withstand many repulses even though rude but whether it was the love or the politeness of glen which on this occasion proved invincible is a matter we will not discuss certain it was that quite undaunted glen nobly returned to the charge and in a very prompt and unexpected answer extended to pierre 
all the courtesies of the general city and all the hospitalities of five sumptuous chambers which he and his luxurious environments contrived nominally to occupy in the most fashionable private hotel of a very opulent town nor did glen rest here but like napoleon now seemed bent upon gaining the battle by throwing all his regiments upon one point of attack and gaining that point at all hazards hearing of some rumour at the tables of his relatives that the day was being fixed for the positive nuptials of pierre glen called all his parisian portfolios for his rosiest sheet and with scented ink and a pen of gold indited a most burnished and redolent letter which after invoking all the blessings of apollo and venus and the nine muses and the cardinal virtues upon the coming event concluded at last with a really magnificent testimonial to his love according to this letter among his other real estate in the city glen had inherited a very charming little old house completely furnished in the style of the last century in a quarter of the city which though now not so garishly fashionable as of yore still in its quiet secludedness possessed great attractions for the retired billings and cooings of a honeymoon indeed he begged leave now to christen it the cooery and if after his wedding jean pierre would deign to visit the city with his bride for a month or two sojourn then the cooery would be but too happy in affording him a harbour his sweet cousin need be under no apprehension owing to the absence of any fit applicant for it the house had now long been without a tenant save an old confidential bachelor clerk of his father's who on a nominal rent and more by way of safekeeping to the house than anything else was now hanging up his well-furbished hat in its hall this accommodating old clerk would quickly unpeg his beaver at the first hint of new occupants glen would charge himself with supplying the house in advance with a proper retinue of servants fires would be made in the long unoccupied chambers the venerable grotesque old mahoganies and marbles and mirror frames and mouldings could be very soon dusted and burnished the kitchen was amply provided with the necessary utensils for cooking the strong box of old silver immemorially pertaining to the mansion could be readily carted round from the vaults of the neighbouring bank while the hampers of old china still retained in the house needed but little trouble to unpack so that silver and china would soon stand assorted in their appropriate closets at the turning of a faucet in the cellar the best of the city's water would not fail to contribute its ingredient to the concocting of a welcoming glass of negus before retiring on the first night of their arrival the over-fastidiousness of some unhealthily critical minds as well as the moral pusillanimity of others equally bars the acceptance of effectually substantial favours from persons whose motive in proffering them is not altogether clear and unimpeachable and toward whom perhaps some prior coolness or indifference has been shown but when the acceptance of such a favour would be really convenient and desirable to the one party and completely unattended with any serious distress to the other there would seem to be no sensible objection to an immediate embrace of the offer and when the acceptor is in rank and fortune the general equal of the profferer and perhaps the superior so that any courtesy he receives can be amply returned in the natural course of future events then all motives to decline are very materially lessened and as for the thousand inconceivable finicalnesses of small pros and cons about imaginary fitnesses and proprieties and self-consistencies thank heaven in the hour of heart health none such shilly-shallying sail-trimmers ever balked the onward course of a bluff-minded man 
he takes the world as it is and carelessly accommodates himself to its whimsical humours nor ever feels any compunction at receiving the greatest possible favours from those who are as able to grant as free to bestow he himself bestows upon occasion so that at bottom common charity steps in to dictate a favourable consideration for all possible profferings seeing that the acceptance shall only the more enrich him indirectly for new and larger beneficences of his own and as for those who no ways pretend with themselves to regulate their deportment by considerations of genuine benevolence and to whom such courteous profferings hypocritically come from persons whom they suspect for secret enemies then to such minds not only will their own worldly tactics at once forbid the uncivil blank repulse of such offers but if they are secretly malicious as well as frigid or if they are at all capable of being fully gratified by the sense of concealed superiority and mastership which precious few men are then how delightful for such persons under the guise of mere acquiescence in his own voluntary civilities to make genteel use of their foe for one would like to know what were foes made for except to be used in the rude ages men hunted and javelined the tiger because they hated him for a mischief-minded wild beast but in these enlightened times though we love the tiger as little as ever still we mostly hunt him for the sake of his skin a wise man then will wear his tiger every morning put on his tiger for a robe to keep him warm and adorn him in this view foes are far more desirable than friends for who would hunt and kill his own faithful affectionate dog for the sake of his skin and is a dog's skin as valuable as a tiger's cases there are where it becomes soberly advisable by direct arts to convert some well-wishers into foes it is false that in point of policy a man should never make enemies as well-wishers some men may not only be nugatory but positive obstacles in your peculiar plans but as foes you may subordinately cement them into your general design but into these ulterior refinements of cool tuscan policy pierre as yet had never become initiated his experiences hitherto not having been varied and ripe enough for that besides he had altogether too much generous blood in his heart nevertheless thereafter in a less immature hour though still he shall not have the heart to practise upon such maxims as the above yet shall he have the brain thoroughly to comprehend their practicability which is not always the case and generally in worldly wisdom men will deny to one the possession of all insight which one does not by his everyday outward life practically reveal it is a very common error of some unscrupulously infidel-minded selfish unprincipled or downright knavish men to suppose that believing men or benevolent-hearted men or good men do not know enough to be unscrupulously selfish do not know enough to be unscrupulous knaves and thus thanks to the world are there many spies in the world's camp who are mistaken for strolling simpletons and these strolling simpletons seem to act upon the principle that in certain things we do not so much learn by showing that already we know a vast deal as by negatively seeming rather ignorant but here we press upon the frontiers of that sort of wisdom which it is very well to possess but not sagacious to show that you possess still men there are who having quite done with the world all its mere worldly contents have become so far indifferent that they care little of what mere worldly imprudence they may be guilty now if it were not conscious considerations like the really benevolent or neutral ones first mentioned above it was certainly something akin to them which had induced pierre to return a straightforward manly and entire acceptance to his cousin of the offer of the house 
thanking him over and over for his most supererogatory kindness concerning the pre-engagement of servants and so forth and the setting in order of the silver and china but reminding him nevertheless that he had overlooked all special mention of wines and begged him to store the bins with a few of the very best brands he would likewise be obliged if he would personally purchase at a certain celebrated grocer's a small bag of undoubted mocha coffee but glenn need not order it to be roasted or ground because pierre preferred that both those highly important and flavor deciding operations should be performed instantaneously previous to the final boiling and serving nor did he say that he would pay for the wines and the mocha he contented himself with merely stating the remissness on the part of his cousin and pointing out the best way of remedying it he concluded his letter by intimating that though the rumour of a set day and a near one for his nuptials was unhappily but ill-founded yet he would not hold glenn's generous offer as merely based upon that presumption and consequently falling with it but on the contrary would consider it entirely good for whatever time it might prove available to pierre he was betrothed beyond a peradventure and hoped to be married ere death meanwhile glenn would further oblige him by giving the confidential clerk a standing notice to quit though at first quite amazed at this letter for indeed his offer might possibly have proceeded as much from ostentation as anything else nor had he dreamed of so unhesitating an acceptance pierre's cousin was too much of a precocious young man of the world disclosedly to take it in any other than a very friendly and cousinly and humorous and yet practical way which he plainly evinced by a reply far more sincere and every way creditable apparently both to his heart and head than any letter he had written to pierre since the days of their boyhood and thus by the bluffness and in some sort uncompunctuousness of pierre this very artificial youth was well betrayed into an act of affected kindness being forced now to drop the empty mask of ostentation and put on the solid hardy features of a genuine face and just so are some people in the world to be joked into occasional effective goodness when all coyness and coolness all resentments and all solemn preaching would fail chapter two but little would we comprehend the peculiar relation between pierre and glenn a relation involving in the end the most serious results were there not here thrown over the whole equivocal preceding account of it another and more comprehensive equivocalness which shall absorb all minor ones in itself and so make one pervading ambiguity the only possible explanation for all the ambiguous details it had long been imagined by pierre that prior to his own special devotion to lucy the splendid glen had not been entirely insensible to her surprising charms yet this conceit in its incipiency he knew not how to account for assuredly his cousin had never in the slightest conceivable hint betrayed it and as for lucy the same intuitive delicacy which forever forbade pierre to question her on the subject did equally close her own voluntary lips between pierre and lucy delicateness put her sacred signet on this chest of secrecy which like the wax of an executor upon a desk though capable of being melted into nothing by the smallest candle for all this still possesses to the reverend the prohibited virtue of inexorable bars and bolts if pierre superficially considered the deportment of glenn toward him therein he could find no possible warrant for indulging the suspicious idea doth jealousy smile so benignantly and offer its house to the bride still on the other hand to quit the mere surface of the deportment of glenn and penetrate beneath its brocaded vesture there pierre sometimes seemed to see the long lurking and yet unhealed wound 
of all a rejected lover's most rankling detestation of a supplanting rival only intensified by their former friendship and the unimpairable blood relation between them now viewed by the light of this master solution all the singular enigmas in glen his capriciousness in the matter of the epistolary dear pierres and dearest pierres the mercurial fall from the fever heat of cordiality to below the zero of indifference then the contrary rise to fever heat and above all his emphatic redundancy of devotion so soon as the positive espousals of pierre seemed on the point of consummation thus read all these riddles apparently found their cunning solution for the deeper that some men feel a secret and poignant feeling the higher they pile the belying surfaces the friendly deportment of glen then was to be considered as in direct proportion to his hoarded hate and the climax of that hate was evinced in throwing open his house to the bride yet if hate was the abstract cause hate could not be the immediate motive of the conduct of glen is hate so hospitable the immediate motive of glen then must be the intense desire to disguise from the wide world a fact unspeakably humiliating to his gold-laced and haughty soul the fact that in the profoundest desire of his heart pierre had so victoriously supplanted him yet was it that very artful deportment in glen which glen profoundly assumed to this grand end that consummately artful deportment it was which first obtruded upon pierre the surmise which by that identical method his cousin was so absorbedly intent upon rendering impossible to him hence we here see that as in the negative way the secrecy of any strong emotion is exceedingly difficult to be kept lastingly private to one's own bosom by any human being so it is one of the most fruitless undertakings in the world to attempt by affirmative assumptions to tender to men the precisely opposite emotion is yours therefore the final wisdom decrees that if you have aught which you desire to keep a secret to yourself be a quietist there and do and say nothing at all about it for among all the poor chances this is the least poor pretensions and substitutions are only the recourse of undergraduates in the science of the world in which science on his own ground my lord chesterfield is the poorest possible preceptor the earliest instinct of the child and the ripest experience of age unite in affirming simplicity to be the truest and profoundest part for man likewise this simplicity is so universal and all-containing as a rule for human life that the subtlest bad man and the purest good man as well as the profoundest wise man do all alike present it on that side which they socially turn to the inquisitive and unscrupulous world chapter three now the matter of the house had remained in precisely the above stated awaiting predicament down to the time of pierre's great life revolution the receipt of isabel's letter and though indeed pierre could not but naturally hesitate at still accepting the use of the dwelling under the widely different circumstances in which he now found himself and though at first the strongest possible spontaneous objections on the ground of personal independence pride and general scorn all clamorously declared in his breast against such a course yet finally the same uncompunctious ever adaptive sort of motive which had induced his original acceptation prompted him in the end still to maintain it unrevoked it would at once set him at rest from all immediate tribulations of mere bed and board and by affording him a shelter for an indefinite term enable him the better to look about him and consider what could best be done to further the permanent comfort of those whom fate had entrusted to his charge irrespective it would seem of that wide general awaking of his profounder being consequent upon the extraordinary trials he had so aggregatively encountered of late the thought was indignantly suggested to him 
that the world must indeed be organically despicable if it held that an offer superfluously accepted in the hour of his abundance should now be rejected in that of his utmost need and without at all imputing any singularity of benevolent mindedness to his cousin he did not for a moment question that under the changed aspect of affairs gwen would at least pretend the more eagerly to welcome him to the house now that the mere thing of apparent courtesy had been transformed into something like a thing of positive and urgent necessity when pierre also considered that not himself only was concerned but likewise two peculiarly helpless fellow-beings one of them bound to him from the first by the most sacred ties and lately inspiring an emotion which passed all human precedent in its mixed and mystical import these added considerations completely overthrew in pierre all remaining dictates of his vague pride and false independence if such indeed had ever been his though the interval elapsing between his decision to depart with his companions for the city and his actual start in the coach had not enabled him to receive any replying word from his cousin and though pierre knew better than to expect it yet a preparative letter to him he had sent and did not doubt that this proceeding would prove well advised in the end in naturally strong-minded men however young and inexperienced in some things those great and sudden emergencies which but confound the timid and the weak only serve to call forth all their generous latentness and teach them as by inspiration extraordinary maxims of conduct whose counterpart in other men is only the result of a long variously tried and painstaking life one of these maxims is that when through whatever cause we are suddenly translated from opulence to need or from a fair fame to a foul and straightway it becomes necessary not to contradict a thing so far at least as the mere imputation goes to some one previously entertaining high conventional regard for us and from whom we would now solicit some genuine helping offices then all explanation or palliation should be scorned promptness boldness utter gladiatorianism and a defiant non-humility should mark every syllable we breathe and every line we trace the preparative letter of pierre de glenn plunged at once into the very heart of the matter and was perhaps the briefest letter he had ever written him though by no means are such characteristics invariable exponents of the predominant mood or general disposition of a man since so accidental a thing as a numb finger or a bad quill or poor ink or squalid paper or a rickety desk may produce all sorts of modifications yet in the present instance the handwriting of pierre happened plainly to attest and corroborate the spirit of his communication the sheet was large but the words were placarded upon it in heavy though rapid lines only six or eight to the page and as the footman of a haughty visitor some counter duke announces the chariot of his lord by a thunderous knock on the portal so to glen de pierre in the broad sweeping and prodigious superscription of his letter forewarn him what manner of man was on the road in the moment of strong feeling a wonderful condensativeness points the tongue and pen so that ideas then enunciated sharp and quick as minute guns in some other hour of unruffledness or unstimulatedness require considerable time and trouble to verbally recall not here and now can we set down the precise contents of pierre's letter without a tautology illy doing justice to the ideas themselves and though indeed the dread of tautology be the continual torment of some earnest minds and as such is surely a weakness in them and though no wise man will wonder at conscientious virgil all eager at death to burn his aeneid for a monstrous heap of inefficient superfluity 
yet not to dread tautology at times only belongs to those enviable dunces whom the partial god hath blessed over all the earth with the inexhaustible self-riches of vanity and folly and a blind self-complacency some rumour of the discontinuance of his betrothment to lucy tartan of his already consummated marriage with a poor and friendless orphan of his mother's disowning him consequent upon these events such rumours pierre now wrote to his cousin would very probably in the parlours of his city relatives and acquaintances precede his arrival in town but he hinted no word of any possible commentary on these things he simply went on to say that now through the fortune of life which was but the proverbially unreliable fortune of war he was for the present thrown entirely upon his own resources both for his own support and that of his wife as well as for the temporary maintenance of a girl whom he had lately had excellent reason for taking under his especial protection he proposed a permanent residence in the city not without some nearly quite settled plans as to the procuring of a competent income without any ulterior reference to any member of their wealthy and widely ramified family the house whose temporary occupancy gwen had before so handsomely proffered him would now be doubly and trebly desirable to him but the pre-engaged servants and the old china and the old silver and the old wines and the mocha were now become altogether unnecessary pierre would merely take the place for a short interval of the worthy old clerk and so far as gwen was concerned simply stand guarding of the dwelling till his plans were matured his cousin had originally made his most bounteous overture to welcome the coming of the presumed bride of pierre and though another lady had now taken her place at the altar yet pierre would still regard the offer of gwen as impersonal in that respect and bearing equal reference to any young lady who should prove her claim to the possessed hand of pierre since there was no universal law of opinion in such matters glen on general worldly grounds might not consider the real mrs glendinning altogether so suitable a match for pierre as he possibly might have held numerous other young ladies in his eye nevertheless glen would find her ready to return with sincerity all his cousinly regard and attention in conclusion pierre said that he and his party meditated an immediate departure and would very probably arrive in town in eight-and-forty hours after the mailing of the present letter he therefore begged glen to see the more indispensable domestic appliances of the house set in some little order against their arrival to have the rooms aired and lighted and also forewarn the confidential clerk of what he might soon expect then without any tapering sequel of yours very truly and faithfully my dear cousin glen he finished the letter with the abrupt and isolated signature of pierre End of book 15.